As human beings, I think most of us have a very complicated relationship with time. How many times in the last month or in the last week have you said, oh, I wish I had time to do this, or I don't have time right now, or wished you had more time for this, or wished you didn't have to spend as much time doing that? Or maybe if you're in a stage of life where you're feeling lonely and isolated, maybe you feel like you have too much time. Maybe it weighs heavily on you. Maybe you're bored, frustrated. Time has all sort of seemed to blend together in a strange way during the pandemic. There used to be clearer lines, at least for me, between work and rest, and now it all sort of blends together in the same way that my work clothes have become also my sleeping clothes and my exercise clothes. It's all just become one mess. Christianity, like the Jewish faith before it, has always acknowledged that human beings have a complicated relationship with time. Perhaps it's rooted in the knowledge that we're mortal and we only have so much of it. So time is our enemy. The great rabbi and theologian Abraham Heschel says that we have made an enemy of time because time is one of very few things over which we have absolutely no control. He says that we can control space to some degree. We can change and mold the physical world around us. We can build things. We can tear them down. We can't control animals or other people, but we can exert some influence over them. But time, he says, is beyond our reach. It's beyond our power, and it belongs exclusively to God. And that is very hard for us to stomach. And so we have a complicated relationship with time. We're fighting it all the time. We have too much of it. We have not enough of it. We want to spend our time this way, but we're having to spend our time that way. We have inspiring plans to use it wisely, and we find it slipping through our fingers. Time becomes the enemy. But our faith offers us two different ways of healing our relationship with time. The first is it offers us a pattern, a sort of cycle, a structure to our days, our weeks, and our years. Christianity offers a daily pattern in which in the morning we're invited to pray for the day ahead, for those we might meet, for what might be asked of us, asking for God's help and blessing. At noonday we're invited to sort of touch down for a moment connect with God, and then proceed through our day. And in the evening, we pray over what has been and give ourselves over to God for the night, knowing that our work is done. Christianity offers us a sort of pattern for the week, days for work, a day on Saturday for recreation and rest, a day on Sunday for worship, rest, and community. Christianity offers us a cycle for the year, different seasons for different spiritual work. This season that begins today, Advent, a season of preparation, Christmas and Easter seasons of celebration, Lent, a season of repentance, ordinary time, a season to focus on growth. Everything has its season. 
And these cycles, these annual, daily, weekly cycles, if we attend to them, offer us a balance between work and play, a sort of emotional balance between celebration and repentance. And they offer us structure, structure that as human beings we need, and a structure that also connects us with other people. If you go to the grocery store later today and run into a Roman Catholic friend, they will also have celebrated this morning the first Sunday of Advent with the same readings, the same themes. On this Sunday, we're talking about the same readings, the same themes and ideas as a Methodist in South Africa or an Anglican in Hong Kong. These cycles, this structure, help us to order our time and to come to see it as a friend and not an enemy. As human beings, we are creatures that crave ritual. Those of you who have children probably see that children instinctively create patterns and rituals for themselves. They help us to make meaning, to know what to do when we get up in the morning, when we go to bed at night. They create balance and spiritual health. Ritual cycles as a way of healing time. The second way that Christianity offers us tools for healing our relationship with time is that it invites us to set aside certain times and make them holy, holy or sacred, both words that mean set apart for God. Heschel, that same rabbi and thinker, says that an hour set aside for God is a great cathedral made of time. Human beings are created for ritual, and in the same way, we are created to crave what is holy, to crave what is real, to crave connection with God. That's what we're here for, isn't it? To have a moment in which we are in contact with the divine, with the source of all meaning. And Christianity teaches us ways to step out of the ordinary into the sacred, and that contact with the sacred mysteriously changes how we experience time in general. It somehow mysteriously creates a sort of spaciousness in the rest of the day, the other 23 hours, that has a healing effect on that contentious relationship we have with time. And so through ritual and through seeking the sacred, we can transform our relationship with time. We can have both routine and surprise and spontaneity. We can have both the ordinary and the sacred. But some of the traditions that structure this time of year for us and make it holy might not be possible during the pandemic. We have ways of preparing for the coming of Christ, maybe traditions that your family does every year that help make this time of year sacred and holy. And some of those traditions might have to be modified or canceled this year. But fortunately, the tradition of the Advent wreath is still possible. We have one here at St. John's. Usually we make them together, actually, as a community, but that's not possible this year. Um, if you go to the announcements page on the website, you'll see some links. One that tells you how to make um, an Advent wreath at home for only 99 cents. 
There are a couple other links for buying them online. I'm just using candles this year that I have at home. All it takes is five votive candles. You don't have to get fancy with the colored candles. Um, I'm just using grocery store votives on plates this year. So maybe you could make yours at home. And the invitation with the Advent wreath is to have a ritual either every day or once a week where either you alone in your home or you with other members of your family or with friends over the phone, take a short time, set it aside, and create a ritual that makes that time holy, that invites you to spend intentional time opening your heart to God. On that announcement page of the website, you'll also find a place where you can download prayers for each week of Advent and a sort of guide for discussion for this time. And each week of Advent, every day, you light the same candle. So this first candle is the candle of hope that symbolizes the prophets who pointed the way to the coming Christ child and lived in hope for God's redeeming work. And so as we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent, during this first week, every day when we light the candle, we look for signs of God's hope in the world. The second week, we light both the first and the second together. The second candle is the candle of the Holy Family, and it's the candle of peace. Not the peace that comes from everything in our world being perfect, but the same peace that the Holy Family experienced, where under all their fear, all their trepidation, there was the deep peace that they were doing what God called them to do in traveling to Bethlehem and giving birth to the Christ child. Traditionally, the third candle is pink. It's not going to be at my house this year. They're all the same this year. But that lighter color symbolizes that though the work of preparing for Christmas is serious, it doesn't have to be dour. The color pink symbolizes joy. It also symbolizes the shepherds and the joy they felt at the good news proclaimed by the angels that sent them running to the stable where Jesus was born. In some traditions, the pink is also the color of the Virgin Mary, symbolizing roses also associated with the Virgin, so it's sometimes seen as her color. The final candle, the fourth week of Advent, is the candle of the kings the candle of the Magi who came from the East, seeking to know the meaning of a sign in the sky and finally kneeling before the Christ child with love. The last candle, the final candle in the center, is lit on Christmas Day and symbolizes the birth of the Christ child who brings together the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that we've been cultivating over the whole season together united in Christ and in the hope and light that Christ brings to the world. So this isn't going to be an ordinary year in any way. The things that we usually do to mark time have changed. Time can still feel a little bit like our enemy, whether we have too much of it or not enough. Rabbi Heschel reminds us that time is the only thing beyond our control. However, if we offer just a small amount of it to God, that time can become a great cathedral 
large enough to hold all that we are, all that we need, all that we hope for. Whether you use an advent wreath or some other ritual, I invite you to take time, structured time, this advent season, time every day, and offer it to God. God will, perhaps in a way that you don't expect, make it holy. Amen.